fresh coming of the Holy Spirit. And I want to say this about Pentecost. Uh, some people look at Pentecost as sort of like what happened on the day of Pentecost as like a grand opening sale, you know, like, yay, great things happened and the power of God moved and, you know, lives were changed radically. And then after that, we just kind of became the institution of Christendom and uh, just went about our church. And I don't think that's what God had in mind when, uh, when <laughs> with Pentecost, do you? I feel the power this morning, I'm telling you. Um, I'm just believing and praying for a fresh coming of the Holy Spirit. I've got some pastor friends that we text on Sunday morning. It's kind of like locker room talk. We're firing each other up. And we were talking about Pentecost Sunday this morning. I woke up just with a, a little um, little phrase on my mind. I don't know if I can see if I can pull up Facebook here real quick. Uh, in this wild Facebook on my iPad. Let's see. Yeah. I woke, I woke up with these words on my mind this morning. If I can get this thing to move. What's wrong with my... How come this won't move, Mel? <laughs> it's not moving. Anyway, let your fire fall. Baptize us once ago, uh, one, one and all. Fill us now and then. Send Pentecost again. Let your fire fall. That was on my mind this morning, that just the fire of God uh, would fall on us today. Um, and we've been in a series called Going Viral, which is what Pentecost is all about. It's about how the church and the early church went viral, and they turned the world upside down, and, and it just brings up, it fires me up to think about what God's trying to do in life church right now, that turning this city upside down, and, and being we're not going to be the only church involved in that, but we're just, we're just, how many know that we're just a congregation of the one church that God has? You believe that this morning? But we're going to do our part, and we're going to be a part of what God's doing uh, in these days. And so we're in this series on going viral, and if you've been noticing, our, our sermons have been from the book of Acts, because that's where the church began. And so this morning, I want you to turn, if you will, to Acts chapter 6, and I'm going to share with you the key to an unstoppable church. If this morning I could share with you a key to a church that the gates of hell could not stand against, you'd like to hear about that, wouldn't you? Well, that's good, because I'm going to share that with you. We can't, God's intention on the day of Pentecost was not that we would have a great grand opening and then go into a recession. In fact, the day of Pentecost was just the beginning. And the Bible says on the day of Pentecost that the Lord added to their church daily those that were being saved. But every time after that time, it says that the church multiplied. Okay, so they went from addition to multiplication, that the church isn't just to be adding, even as we did on the day of Pentecost, but that the church is to be multiplying. So in Acts chapter 6, beginning in the first verse, it says this, In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, going viral, the Hellenistic, when you hear the word Hellenistic, the, the Greek Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews. So you had these Jewish converts, these Greek converted Jews, the, the Hellenistic Jews, they were complaining against the real McCoy 
true blood, born and bred Jewish people. They were complaining against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. And we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. The proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. They chose Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. Now listen to this. So the word of God spread, and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So, so this is a very preachable text because it fits together very well. It starts with the church growing, then there's a problem, the problem's addressed and it's solved, and then the church begins growing again. It's increasing at the beginning, a problem comes, the problem's solved, and then at the end of this text, it's growing again. And so I just want to start out by saying something very radical and shocking to all of you this morning, and that is that God wants His church to grow. Very, very, very radical concept this morning, uh, that, that God is interested in His church, whom He said that the gates of hell would not prevail against. He's interested in the church growing. Well, I know, Pastor, but when we talk about growing, there's lots of ways to grow. You know, you don't just have to grow by people. He meant grow spiritually. I like what Peter Wagner said about this passage, or about this whole concept of God wants his church to grow. He said he wants us to grow up. He wants us to grow spiritually mature and coming to know God more. God wants us to be discipled. He wants us to grow up. But not only does he want us to grow up, he wants us to grow together. He wants us to grow in maturity of relationships into a community marked by committed love and practical sharing, including the sharing of our material goods with one another. Not only does he want us to grow up and grow together, but he wants us to grow out in service. To the larger community, the church must grow in compassion and the costly service to the needs of the world. The result of this aspect of the church is reflected in the attitude of the community towards the church as expressed in Acts 2.47. They enjoyed the favor of all the people. In other words, the church was making such a difference in their community that the community, even the non-Christians, they had favor among them because they were such a blessing. Wouldn't it be wonderful if Life Church had such a great reputation in our community that even those who don't darken the doors of a church on Sunday morning would say, you know what, we don't go there, but they're, they're not just talking the talk, they're walking the walk. You know what I'm saying? That they enjoyed the favor, and so, so, so growing out in service. But finally, this is the most controversial for some people, growing larger. Growing larger in numbers so that more people respond to the reality of the coming of the kingdom of God. Acts 2.47b reflects this. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. 
Now you would think that this would be an easy sell for me to come to a Christian church this morning and sell the fact that God wants the church to be larger. But I came to tell you this morning, not everybody believes that. Come on now, let's be real this morning, okay? I, I know we, I, we, it's easy to give lip service to that, to that truth of, We want the church to grow. But do we really want it to grow? Because, you know, if the church grows, things are going to change around here. In in fact, I've been in and I've even participated in, I've been guilty of this, I've been guilty of glorifying smallness. And justifying and theologically talking about smallness. You know, the Bible, after all, says, you know, Narrow is the way, and few there be that find us. We're narrow way community church, and few there be that find us. He wasn't saying that he wanted the church to be small when he said narrow is the way. He was saying that there's only one way in. The gate is narrow, and that gate is Jesus Christ. There's not many, there's not many roads into this, but there's, there's only one narrow way. But inside, once you get in the narrow gate, there's room in this place. Amen? Amen. But you know, um, if we grow, our building might get messed up. Have you ever noticed that? People are just messy. I learned that yesterday, didn't we, Larry? We learned that yesterday. <laughs> the rotary, we were doing roadside cleanup. I learned more about the city of Knoxville during roadside <laughs> cleanup than I wanted to know, I guarantee you. You know, you start dealing with people. You got people's messes that go along with people. <clears throat> you know, if we grow, we might have to be around people that look different than we do. You know, what if we have to be with people of different colors and races and economic backgrounds and all of that? You know, you know. If we grow, it's going to take more effort. If we grow, it might take more excellence. If we grow, it might take more structure. If we grow, it might take more commitment. And quite frankly, we're pretty comfortable just the way we are. We know each other. We come together. We've always been around, and these guests, man, you've got to learn new names. It's ridiculous. They just mess up our stuff. Sorry, guests. I'm not really serious about that. All of this to say is that we are only going to grow if we really want to grow. I mean, it's, this has got to be, this has got to be passion. We have to get Jesus' heart about this, where, where, where it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We'll put up with any mess we have to. We'll put up with more structure. We'll put up with more excellence. We'll put up with whatever it takes to do it because our heart beats and bleeds for what, for what grips Jesus' heart, and that is that his church would grow and that more lost people would be found. More prodigal sons and daughters would come home. You take the Bible seriously, you have to understand that God is interested in the kingdom of God growing. He says to Abraham, when he's talking about the people of faith, he says, Abraham, just look at yourself, look at yourself and you and your wife. Now I want you to look up at the, look at the stars in the sky, count them if you can. This is thousands of years ago, they couldn't count the stars back then, but now we're so smart and we're so scientific and we got telescopes that, that go way beyond and guess what, we still can't count the stars. 
Count the stars if you can. And God says to Abraham, I want to make your seed like the stars of the sky. He said, Abraham, look down around you and see the sand around your feet. You see all those grains of sand. Try to count those, Abraham. Count those if you can. Mm, can't count them. Jesus is interested in the kingdom of God. Count right now, it's pretty easy for our ushers to take account on Sunday morning. But I'm looking forward to the day when an usher comes up to me again and says, I don't know how many we had, Pastor Phil. I just estimate thousands because we really lost count this morning. Amen? Amen. And the Bible says this about heaven, that the Bible says they were counting in heaven, and the Bible says there were too many to count. Amen. The parables about the kingdom are like, it's like yeast that starts out small and grows into something large. It's like a mustard seed that's the smallest seed in the garden and grows up into the largest plant. It's like the banquet. It's like the banquet that the king sent uh, out into the highways and byways to invite them to come in. And what does the Bible say in that parable? So that my house may be full. Why is Jesus interested in the full house? Because this is the banquet for His Son. And He wants everyone to honor His Son. Jesus is happy when every seat is filled. When everyone's praising His Son. Amen. Amen. Woo, that's good preaching, Pastor Phil. Amen. Woo! It's Pentecost Sunday. I had to do that. All right. There's a lost guy under the bridge this morning that needs to be in one of these empty seats today. There are neighbors out in this community this morning in these apartments on Cedar Lane that need to be filling these seats here this morning that are empty. So if God wants the church to grow, let me just say this. I'm not preaching against this church. Let me just tell you something. I believe there's something in the heart of Life Church that wants to grow. And I really believe that that's one of the reasons that I was attracted to come to this church because I saw something in these leaders that said, we want to bust out. We want to see God do something significant. We want to see God do something in our day. While on others you are falling, do not pass us by. Amen? So that God would do something right now in our day. In our, I don't want to wait for some other generation to tell about I want to see it normal with my eyes. I want to see it while I'm still alive. I want to see God do something great in my day. Amen? But the next thing we learn from this passage about growth, God wants the church to grow, that growing produces growing pains. Something happens when, when, when the church starts growing. It doesn't happen in Tennessee, but back in Illinois, there were things that happened when churches started growing. I got a hate letter one time from a lady that said, when young people started coming to our church, I don't want to be, have anything to do with your youth movement. I don't want anything to do with your youth movement. I had a family with five kids come to visit one Sunday morning, sit down in a pew, and were quickly informed that they were sitting in somebody else's seat. Thank God they overcame that and they became wonderful members of our church. But that was their first initial thing in the church that they got kicked out of the seat they were trying to they were trying to I remember when our church was growing and we had to move out of our auditorium like this into a gymnasium and the first Sunday we didn't have it quite done and so the bathrooms weren't finished and you had to walk across an alley to our school in order to use the bathroom somebody in the church reported us to the city that we didn't have working bathrooms 
we had a construction program going on and some guy was, was, was framing up a, a wall to build some offices and his cousin who had nothing to do with the project just came to watch him work. And while he was working, one of those frame walls came down and hit his cousin on the shoulder and he sued us. Let me tell you something. If you start growing, you're going you're gonna to experience growing pains. It's messy. One person told me that our church in Illinois was ruined when we quit giving out those little bags of candy to kids on Christmas Sunday, those little paper bags that had an orange and a nut in it and, and a candy cane, and that our church was ruined. They said, I can tell you the day our church went downhill. I can tell you the day when it was ruined. That was that first Christmas that we did not give out those brown bags. <laughs> and I said, great, next year you are in charge of the brown bag ministry. Next, our church was growing. That lady worked so hard. Produced. After that year, she said, you know, I don't think we need to do brown bags anymore. <laughs> Pastor, we used to have potlucks all the time. They were the best thing. It's hard to do a potluck with a thousand people. I, I used to know everybody's name, and now I, now I don't. I preached a sermon one time on, about the many faces of Jesus and I showed a black Jesus and I showed a Jesus with dreadlocks from Jamaica and I showed a Hispanic Jesus. I had a guy quit the church because Jesus obviously wasn't black. He obviously was white and he had blue eyes. <laughs> yes. When you, have a, when you set a vision, when you set a course, you've got to choose who you lose. Let me just tell you, when you set a course and you set a vision and you set a direction, not everyone will go with that direction. We think everybody wants to onboard. I remember Pastor Hardwick saying that not all of you are going to be able to make this journey. I pray and I hope that everyone in the sound of my voice this morning is able to make the journey. But if you can't handle being around people who are of different color, you probably just need to find you a nice little white church that does a lot of potlucks and brown bag Christmas Sunday mornings. Amen. Sorry about that. I don't know if that was under the anointing or not. Forget that. Forget <laughs> I like the Apostle Paul every once in a while. I said, no, I'm, not, I'm, I'm saying this by permission, not necessarily under the anointing. Um, in this particular case, it was the Hellenistic Jews. The Greek Jews were, 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 um, were getting not taken care of as much as the Hebraic Jews. And it was a legitimate issue. This was kind of their welfare system back then, uh, before we had the much better system that we have in America today, where the government just takes care of all of us. But the, but the church in the early days were in charge of taking care of the widows. And, and uh, so the, these, uh, they were beginning to fall through the cracks. And, and it must have been hilarious because, because Peter and John and all of the apostles were, were doing these meals on wheels, you know, and, and, and the church was growing. Oh, now we got 10,000 and we got to take care of all these. And Peter and John were just doing meals on wheels all day long. And, and they weren't getting to everybody, and, and there was a perception that they were taking care of the Hebraic Jews faster uh, than they were the uh, Hellenistic Jews. And uh, so then they, they came and they addressed the issue. Now let me just tell you something. If they had not addressed this problem, why is this a big deal? Why is people falling through the cracks a big deal? Because if this problem had not been addressed, the gospel would have stopped spreading. 
there would have been a, a limit to what could have happened in the book of Acts if this pro- let me just put it to you bluntly if this had not been solved we're not sitting here this morning if this problem had not been solved if the church had been satisfied the way it was we're not here today experiencing what we're experiencing today can i tell you this morning there are people outside of our doors this morning that need us to get our act together so that we can address these needs so that people in this city can be saved amen amen so i can just see the apostles burning out Stagnation is serious business. There are people that will be lost and separated from God for all eternity if we don't make the journey that we've been called to make. So what's the key to a growing church? We all know the key to a growing church, right? It's LED lights. Right? It's a pastor that wears skinny jeans, right? We know that's, that's the key. Smoke machines help. Um, that's the impression we're given today. You know that, that when you want, if you if you got to want to watch it, be a growing church. You got to do all these things. I keep trying; it's not working yet. But um, but there's there's churches that are growing by leaps and bounds all over the world today that have no smoke machines. Some of them have no sound systems. I've been in some of them in Russia. I've been, I've been all over the world. I've been under a tree and worshipped with people in Mexico. And I've been in Africa where there was no electricity and worshipping and watching the church thrive and grow. Had nothing to do with all of these things that we think that it takes for a church to grow. And I, I remember when, when we were early in our journey in Illinois and, and our church was just beginning we i don't even think we had started growing but we were wanting to grow that's the first step we were wanting to and so we invited an administrator from christ church in nashville to come speak to our group of leaders and uh so the morning that he was to come his name was dave cavender and they had hired him he had been an executive with kmart and he had gone to work for christ church and um so when he went to work uh, for christ church we'd heard about him and brought him up to our church to teach us about how to organize and administrate what we were doing and the morning of the of the little meeting that we were having in our fellowship hall I went to pick Dave up at the hotel and I said Dave I need to pick you up a little early because I got some things I got to do he said no problem so I picked him up and I said I got to go pick up donuts so I went and pick up donuts and then I said and now I need to go make coffee um, for all of these leaders that are coming and I went and made coffee and I said now Dave if you don't mind I got to set up tables here and I was setting up tables and getting all of them ready. And finally, Dave just stopped me. And Dave said, Phil, I've never forgotten this. Phil, are you the only guy in the church that can make coffee? The truth is I don't make it very well. And I said, no. He said, are you the only guy in the church that could have picked up donuts this morning? I said, no. He said, are you the only guy in the church that could have set up tables this morning for this meeting? I said, no. He said, and then he said to me something very challenging. He said, do you know what that you are supposed to be doing right now? I said, no. <laughs> he said, you're supposed to be praying. 
He said, you're supposed to be praying for this event right now. And he pointed me to this passage where the Bible says that they turned over these areas to other people so that the apostles, and then Dave Cavender said, here's your job, Phil. Here's your main job. You're going to have to do other things, but here's your main job. Prayer and the ministry of the word. Prayer and the ministry of the word. He said, turn everything else over. Prayer and the ministry of the word. And then he said, turn everything else over. And, you know, we began to do that little by little, and the church began to grow. So let me just tell you on this Pentecost Sunday, the key to an unstoppable church, the key to an unstoppable church is that the Holy Spirit was not just meant for the pastors. How many believe that this morning? That the Holy Spirit was not just meant for the quote-unquote professional clergy so that they could come and inspire you every Sunday morning and get the house ready and so you could come and say, boy, didn't we have church today, and go home. The key to a growing church, and they figured it out early in the book of Acts, is that as problems came up, the key to to, to an unstoppable church is that every member is a minister. Every that you can almost you can almost tell the churches that are not growing and those that are growing. Those that aren't growing have a clergy-led, professional-led church, and usually it's around seventy to one hundred because that's all that a pastor can do. That's about all that one pastor can do is take care of about seventy people. But if we ever got this in our DNA, and by the way that your job is not less important than mine. That we all have roles to play. That every one of us have spiritual gifts that God has given us. There's stuff you do. If we rely on me to make coffee, people will not come back to the church because the coffee's going to be bad. I'm not that good at it. You know what I'm saying? There are things that I can do. There are things that the Holy Spirit has gifted me to do. And as I, as I function in those gifts, I add my gift to that mix. But there's some of you that make fabulous coffee. There's some of you that can, can fix things. There's some of you that can teach. There's some of you that know a little bit about computers that can work back there on the, on the computer board or the sound board. There's some of you that can ush. You can be ushers, you know. You know how to take care of people. There's some of you that have the gift of friendliness and you can make a difference because of that if you want growing a church to be fun find your ministry and begin serving in it you know how you can tell when you're in your gift you're not working because god's working through you Sometimes I'm embarrassed. Don't tell the board this. Sometimes I'm embarrassed when I get paid to do what I do. You know why? Because it's what comes natural to me. It's what comes natural to me. I love to preach the word. I love to teach the word. I love to do those things. So I don't feel like I'm working when I'm doing that. There's some of you that uh, that, that you could be doing things in the church that it would not even feel like work to you because it's so natural to who you are. You're naturally friendly. You naturally have a gift with children. You naturally have a gift with young people. 
I read this week that on average people spend, uh, the, uh, there's millions of people that volunteer in their communities a year, uh, during a year, but the average amount of hours that people in their community spend doing volunteer work is 52 hours a year. You know what that comes out to? An hour a week. What if you gave an hour a week to serving God in a way that would be fulfilling to you and help God's mission in the world to grow? Wouldn't that be exciting? I mean, you could give an hour a week to doing all kinds of stuff, and you could volunteer for all kinds of things, but the beautiful thing about volunteering for the kingdom of God is that you are doing when you volunteer exactly what you were created to do. There are people that are volunteers at church that say, man, I work all week long and I just get through it, but I love coming on Sundays because Sundays I'm doing exactly what God created me to do. Amen. So Mark, you know, he, he's, he's down there working and he's laying tile all week long. And I think he loves to do that because he's gifted at it too. But he's a cl- in the closet, he's a drummer. I mean, he's, he gets here on Sunday, you know, and he gets to, he gets to bang on those drums. And uh, that, that's, that's being able to use his gifts. And so I want to challenge you with this quadrant. Uh, go to the next slide if you would. Here's the four things that I think that we need at the church. We need to worship, right? Everyone needs to worship. And we need to serve. And then we need a place where we connect. Another thing that happens in large churches sometimes is that people get lost. That's why we believe that small groups are so important at this church because as, while we're growing larger, that we're also growing smaller, that I've got a small group of people that I'm connecting with. And then finally, they need to be equipped. In other words, they need training for those jobs that it is that, uh, that they're being called to do. I want to challenge you with, uh, with something I'm going to call Worship One, Serve One. Worship One, Serve One. Worship One, Serve One goes like this. I really believe that one of the reasons that people don't volunteer in churches is because if I volunteer in the nursery, I'm never going to get to be in church again. You know what I mean? They're just going to stick me back in the nursery and I'm never going to see the light of day again, never get to worship. I believe that you were created to worship and you need to be in the worship service. Let me say this in the ears of every ministry leader here today. As you organize how those ministries go about, I want you to organize them in a way that people get to be in worship as well as in serving. And so one of the beautiful things about the fact that we're going to go to two services is that we're going to set this up as as the the principle. You're hearing the vision from the pulpit this morning. This is what I want our leaders to follow, that you worship one and you serve another. In other words, if I'm going to teach on Sunday morning in that children's ministry back there in the first service, I'm going to worship in the second service. Or I'm going to worship in the first service and then I'm going to take those gifts and I'm going to be all fired up because we had a wonderful praise and worship and Phil gave an average message and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to, I'm going to serve in my ministry. So you're going to, you, you, you're going to 
Worship one and you're going to serve one. Now, now it won't always look that way. Like, for instance, in the, in the sound ministry, Darren, if you're working, if you, here's where we want to get to in the sound ministry. You kind of get to worship while you're, while you're working back there. But we want to set it up so that we've got enough volunteers that I work the first Sunday of the month. And I, and, I, and I work both services for that deal and I still get to be in worship. But that's the only weekend that I have to work that month, okay? And then I get to be in worship the rest of that time. So I'm going to work really hard one weekend. But then I'm going to get to worship because I think worship and serving have got to go hand in hand. Amen? Do you think that, that, if, that if, if you were promised that if you went to work in the children's ministry with Jennifer, you're not going to die for three months out there with ever being able to go to worship? How many of you like, well, I shouldn't ask you if you like going to worship. All right, but uh, hopefully all of us love to go to worship. And, and, and this is where we're, we're equipped and this is where uh, we come together to worship God together. It's so important. So worship one, serve one. We need people, we need ushers to ush. We need greeters to greet. We need children's workers and nursery workers. We need sound and video help. Right now, we have got needs in all of these areas. And um, we did a 401 class where we gave out, uh, we gave out um, some applications for ministry, and I've got more of those. And then I, I made the big mistake of saying, take them home with you and bring them back. I should have never done that. I should have asked you to fill them out then. But I've got some with me here today, and I want to challenge you to take those and to say, what is it, God? Where's an area that I'm just gifted to serve in, that you'd be willing to serve in? Melanie, could you have those passed out now? I would like... For as many of you that would consider to fill those out today and say, I'm willing, I'm willing to give some time. That when we go to two services, I'm willing to work in the children's ministry uh, with Jennifer back there. They're doing a great job. How many know that if we're going to relaunch this church and have a fabulous relaunch, we're going to need a fabulous children's ministry. You know that? We're going to need all hands on deck. By the way, let me just say this to our congregation right now. We need all hands on deck. I didn't say that most of us are ministers, that every member is a minister. You have got a part that you can play, and we need your gifts as we move forward. I'm going to ask Noah to come, and I'm going to tell you a story here in the end. We had a a lady in our church in Illinois. Her name was Jeannie. And uh, Jeannie um, had graduated, was a high school graduate, but she had her Ph.D. in friendliness. And she was the head of our welcome center, our welcome team. And one Sunday, there was a, there was a, a girl that uh, came to visit our church, but she got there late. Actually, she didn't come to visit our church. She came in our church doors because she was lost. And she was looking for another church. She had been in the Yellow Pages, and she was just looking for a random church. And our church was near that one, so she walked in the wrong doors. And so uh, the, our service had already started, and she saw Jeannie there. And uh, she asked Jeannie, do you know where such and such a, a church is? And Jeannie said, uh, uh, yes, but if you're looking for a church, you're in the right place. And, and this girl by the name of Shelley said, what do I need to know about your church? And Jeannie said, oh, 
everything about our church is wonderful. She said, you're going to love the music. You're going to love everything about it. You're going to love everything that goes on. Well, Shelly said, I think I'll just stay today. It wasn't long before Shelly received the Holy Spirit. It wasn't long before she was playing her flute on our praise team. What we didn't know about Shelly is she was there as a student and she was working on a PhD studying the brain at uh, SIU, Southern Illinois University. She was brilliant, but she became an ardent follower of Jesus. She eventually graduated, went on to do, she, and then she had to move away. She helped with our youth group. We had a wonderful experience with Shelly while she was there. Went on to do postdoctoral work research. Today, she is a fully, they don't call it tenure, but our equivalent of tenured professor at Cambridge University in England. And she considers herself a missionary to the academic community. But that wouldn't have happened if Shelley hadn't run into somebody who was using their spiritual gift by the name of Jeannie, who said, you're going to love everything about this place. And this morning, my daughter, Christiana, is in England, and yesterday she was at Cambridge, and she's trying to meet with Shelley right now so they can reconnect. We still talk on Facebook. This morning, I'm asking, I'm asking us what we start out with. It's easy to rah-rah, do we want this church to Yeah, we want this church to grow. We want this church to grow. Every member, every member has got to be a minister. Where are you going to give your hour? Where are you going to give your hour to volunteer? You are created. You are created. to minister and to serve. Let's go ahead and sing, Noah. I give myself away. 